and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catrum. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catrum, the business coach. And today I have the absolute pleasure to be in conversation with Pamela Wilson, all the way from Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, and she was with us. Hey, welcome, Pamela. I am so excited to be here, and you and I just chatted about what we're going to talk about, and I can't wait to get started. <laughs> Excellent. Let's get straight into it then. So, Pamela, tell us, tell everyone what you do now, because I understand, you know, you, you, tell us about your expertise as a marketer and what you specialize in and what you focus on. I'm a marketing advisor now. I have a background in design and I end up doing a lot of copywriting. So I have an interesting toolbox that I can bring to my clients. And what I primarily help people to do is to generate qualified leads for whatever they offer in the marketplace, whether it's a service or a product, I help them to generate those leads. It's kind of the classic marketing task, but I love it. And I I bring a lot to the table, so I, I think I'm pretty pretty good at it. I can be very effective at it. Now, what small business doesn't want more qualified leads? More qualified leads means bigger opportunity to close and sell, means more income coming into the business, more potential income for you. Excellent, Pamela. And by the way, those who don't know, she's been doing this for over 35 years, and you've seen the trends come and go. Is that right, Pamela? Oh my goodness. Yes. We sh- that's a really interesting rabbit hole we could go down. But yeah, I have. And I, I think part of my response to everything that has changed in the past few years in marketing, the most recent one being the, the entrance of AI, I, I don't get too worked up about these things mm. because I've seen so many new technologies come in and kind of disrupt the marketplace and eventually things settle down and you figure out how to use those things as tools, right? So I'm never afraid of disruptions like that. I actually think they're kind of exciting and I have a low tolerance for boredom. So as long as there's something that's always changing, I'm always going to be interested in what I do for a living. Fantastic. We'll go down that rabbit hole in a little while in terms of content and AI, because I'm sure a lot of people here want to hear about it and how they can utilize that in their own business. But before we do that, Pamela, tell us a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. How did you become an entrepreneur? I know your specialism is marketing, but you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> so, right. yeah, how did you get started? What happened? I started out actually on the design side of marketing. I My first job was at a design agency in Miami, Florida. Oh, wow. And I, I worked there for about five years. And got married, was expecting my first child, and sort of looked at my life and said, I think I need to start my own business. I want to have control over my own time. So that's why I've been doing this that long. I My career started more than 35 years ago, but my son, my oldest child, is 31. So I've had my own business for 31 years. Um, and it has been an amazing ride. It's it's so exciting to think about where I started, which was pre-internet, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, my best technology was my Mac 2CI, which is a very early wow. Mac. This is like pre-Mac laptops as well. And I had a fax machine Mac. I don't know if you've heard of those, but oh, yeah, yeah. it's this old-fashioned technology called fax machines. And, and I communicated with my clients via fax and on the phone. 
And I had a great business. I had a great business then, and it's been a great business all these years. Wow. Congratulations to you. 31 years in business. And, um, and, and that's fantastic. You know, when you talk about fax machine, I remember using them. And for those who don't know, these facsimile, right? And yes. someone had to be on the other end to receive it. And uh, in those days, so you had phone, you had a fax, and yet, yeah, I suppose you had your office desk and ready to go and, and your Mac. You were, yes. And you were a business and then people walked around with this portable communication device. It was not an iPhone. It was a pager. Pager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a pager that would send you a phone number and then you had to find like a pay phone to call it. I mean, seriously, it sounds like I ran my business in the stone age, but people did great business in those days. And all the new technology that has happened since then has only made it easier, in my opinion. Mm. That's what I was leading to now. So tell us about some of the trends that you've seen. How's that uh, affected marketing or lead generation? Or I, yeah, or or what else? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. No, no, that's what that's where I was going to. I was thinking, what else has happened that we really need to know about? Right. I think the biggest change that has happened in the last fifteen years or so is the fact that so much business is happening on the internet. Um, which I, you know, I realize saying that it sounds like super obvious, but there was a time when businesses didn't really know how to show up on the internet and use it. The original websites, they used to call them brochure websites because mm -hmm. they would be basically, you know, this is who our company is. This is where we're located. And these are our email addresses. So you can reach out to us personally. And that was about it. Maybe they had an about page but they didn't have much more. It wasn't much more than what you would have seen in like a printed brochure that you would pick up, right? Then I think there was this level of sophistication that came in when people realized, oh, we could actually post helpful information on our website that would help to warm up our leads, help them to better understand what we offer and to be smarter about the questions to ask before they're ready to make a purchase. Mm. And that is content marketing. That's basically a definition of content marketing. You're asking, you're, you're answering common questions that are asked and you're providing engaging information that's educational and that helps to set your business up as an authority in the field. That was a major change. And then more recently, I would say the, the huge change that has impacted businesses in every way is AI. And when it comes to content marketing, AI writing tools have really impacted the way we get content produced. Mm. I think we're in a weird transition phase now where a lot of people are using them to actually do the final writing. And we can talk about why that's a terrible idea. Um, I do think there are smart ways to use those tools and they don't include uh, using the AI writing tool to create the final draft. I think that's a mistake. Uh, I would agree with you. Now, for those who have heard of what con they've heard of content marketing, but not clear on what it is, how would you describe content marketing? I'm so glad you asked that. I, it is important to define it. So, content marketing is any any piece of information that delivers value to the person who consumes it. And I use that word "consume" on purpose mm. because content marketing can be delivered in a lot of different formats. Traditionally, if you can say traditionally, because it hasn't been around that long, traditionally, it's it's a blog post, right? And 
Blog posts are great content because right now they're very easy to index. Search engines can read the blog post and figure out what it's about and then help that blog post to show up in search engines. So blog posts are probably the most common ones that we hear about. But what we're doing right now is content marketing as well. Podcast interviews are content marketing. Video series on like a YouTube channel, that is content marketing. And you can extend that. It It's not quite the same, but when we write really in-depth, valuable content and we post it on a social channel, that can also be content marketing. So all of these ways are, are ways to reach out to your audience and to position your business as an authority that can be trusted in whatever topic area your business uh, dances in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So in regards to that, tell, give us some insights in, where, in terms of where some people go wrong in regards to content marketing. Well, we just mentioned social media, and I should probably elaborate on that just a little bit because I do think you can do content marketing on social media Where people go wrong is when they rely solely on social media as their platform for communicating with their prospects. And the reason that's a mistake is that we don't own those platforms. Those platforms are owned by companies. And we have all seen people whose accounts get blocked, taken down, taken off the platform, or the algorithm starts not displaying that content. And if we build up a reliance on our presence on that platform, and that's the primary way that we reach our prospects, it's kind of like, you know, building your entire business on like an iceberg or something that could sink at any moment and and take everything down with it right so i do think there's a place for social platforms but i think what we need to focus on primarily is building our content on a platform that we control a hundred percent so no one can take it away from us and then we can use social platforms as a way to amplify our message as a way to reach people who are in different places online, but always kind of letting people know we have a home base on the internet and it is at this URL and this is where you can always find us. Right. Okay. So let me get my head around this. Um, as you know, we, we do a lot of content all over all the socials, but so in, in layman's terms, for those who are thinking, well, I need to get my head around what Pamela just said, you through your social media, provides a, a piece of valuable content, uh, which is uh, maybe a, a low cost to you, but very high value to them. They download it, whether it's a video series, a PDF, or a blog post, whatever it is. But you're saying do not leave those people on that platform. Bring them over to where you're talking about to, to an email database or to another form where you can... Um, interact with them elaborate a bit more about that so once i've done the content and people are are liking it they downloading it i'm bringing them somewhere i suppose to nurture them if i could use that word right let me give you an example from uh, real life so that should probably help Uh, my biggest client right now is in the healthcare industry and their model is that they write a detailed blog post that's published on their website And to get this blog post created, they typically interview subject matter experts who are providing all this 
sort of industry information that's updated and um, opinions on what's happening in the industry and all of that. So they they build this really rich piece of, in this case, written content, but it could also be podcast content, it could be video content that the medium doesn't really matter, but they publish it on their website. Mm -hmm. So they have built a, a really valuable resource library on their own website of this content, right? So that's the primary piece of content. And I like to, you know, tell people you have sort of this, this piece of content that is that gives birth to all these other pieces of content, right? So they have a blog post. As I said, it could be a podcast or a video. It doesn't really matter, but they publish that on their website. Then they create social posts that are inspired by the content that was created and published on their website. Or they create videos based on the content that was published on their website. So what they'll do, for example, they create a, a YouTube video based on this blog content. They link back to the blog content in the video description. So it's a way of saying to people like, this is where this content lives and this is where you can find out more. And that's what you wanna be doing with social content is always letting people know, I have a home base online check out all the additional resources on my website. Here's the link. And like you said, super smart if you can get people onto an email list so that you can nurture them that way and have one-on-one -on -one communication with them. Right, right. Great, great answer. I like that. I like that. So in regards to content marketing, what are some of the numbers or metrics that, uh, you know, we should be measuring in order to know if, if this things working or not. Right. Well, this is another reason it's great to have core content on your website, because that's usually the easiest place to pick up measurement. Okay. On social platforms, for example, it's great. We can see that there's engagement or, you know, a lot of people liked it and it got a lot of comments. But in the end, I don't know about you, but I have not had any like luck um, collecting engagement on a social post and taking it to my business bank and depositing that for money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. th those things are awesome. They're signals, yeah. but they don't actually indicate revenue, right? And if we're running a business, we're trying to generate revenue, right? Mm -hmm. So when you drive people to your website, it's much easier to track if a piece of content led to revenue. Right. Um, the first step is generally did it lead to people signing up for my email list? Did it get people engaged in my business in that way? Mm. And then it's easier to track, you know, did these people on my email list end up buying one of the offers I put out into the world? And you can kind of see that path. Right, right, right. So, okay, I see your point. So hence, come to the website, you can get a metrics off there. And then you can see what led, what led to sales. Okay, excellent. Very smart. Very smart. You are a smart marketing genius. That's why we are speaking <laughs> with you. <laughs> I love this stuff. And I think about it all the time, which is, uh, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm obsessed with it. I haven't, I've been doing it for so long and I still find it super exciting. Uh -huh. tell, tell us what are some smart long-term content strategy that can maximize results? So following on from, you know, metrics, knowing what's going on, if you if someone's going to do this long term, how can they really maximize those results and bring in more sales and and become more profitable even? 
It's interesting. I, I wrote a book called Master Content Strategy. I wrote one called Master Content Marketing, which was about how to create content for people who weren't familiar with the process. Right. And then I followed that up with Master Content Strategy, which is all about strategy because people would say to me, okay, now I know how to create content, but like, what am I supposed to be doing with it? Right. Mm. Um, and I think honestly, just having a strategy and thinking about content as something you can be strategic with is is the first step. A lot of people never even take that step. Um, the word blog came from this term web log, where web people log. were literally using the internet to log their day-to-day -day lives. Mm. And I think oftentimes early stage content creators just kind of use it to log what's happening, right? And that's, that's not strategic. You wanna try to be strategic with your content. I think there are a couple of things. Uh, one thing that you can do right off the bat is to think about your audience in terms of the questions that they're asking as they progress along what we call the buyer's journey. So the buyer's journey, if, if you're not a marketing geek like I am, the buyer's journey is basically the thought process that people follow as they're learning about your business, deciding they want to stay engaged with your business, and then finally deciding they actually want to purchase from your business. It's that journey. That's what we're referring to. And people are thinking about different things at different stages. So if you can reflect those stages in your content, you can meet people exactly where they are, which is great. You can keep them engaged all the way through. So the way I talk about this is beginner, intermediate, and advanced stages. And if I can give you what each stage go includes, if you want, if you think that would be helpful. Oh, absolutely. Go for it. All right. In the beginner stage, people are typically, they arrive at your website and what they're asking themselves is what is this thing? They're trying to build a definition because they're beginners. They don't even fully understand what it is that you offer and why they should be interested in it. So you have an opportunity to create content that answers those beginner questions. What is this? What does it mean for you? What, what impact does it have in our industry? They're providing definitions in many ways. And the great advantage of creating content like this is you get to be the company that sets the definition for these prospects. They're total beginners. They know nothing. And you can set that definition on your own terms in a way that reflects well on your business, right? At some point, they they have defined your topic, whatever it is, and then they hit this intermediate stage. And at that point in the journey, they're thinking about, well, okay, now I know what this is. How can I use it? How can I apply this in my own business, in my own life? How can I actually get better by using this, this topic or engaging in this way? right? So those are how questions. And the thing that does really well with content in this stage is any kind of list posts, like five ways that you can XYZ, right? Or how to make the best, whatever, how to have an impact in this way. It's how to, it's, it's literally step-by-step -step how to do something. So you're giving people oftentimes quick wins, ways that they can see a little bit of success and get a little taste and, and sort of see what the potential is, right? 
at some point, if you have delivered beginner content and you've delivered intermediate content, a percentage of the people who are interested in your content will be ready to purchase. So then they're asking more advanced questions. And those are questions are, are more like, you know, what is the ROI for this? Or what's the best way to get started purchasing this and applying it in my business or in my life? They're getting into really granular stuff. They are about to make a purchase. So think about you know, if you're going to buy a, a, a car, right? Um, in the beginning of that process, you're saying what, let's say you want to buy an electric vehicle and you've never bought one before. So you may say like, what are electric vehicles? Like, how do they work exactly? What What is this thing about plugging them in? I mean, what what is that? Explain that. And then in the how-to stage, you're saying, you're, you're asking things like, how can I make this work in my life? Like how how can I use an electric vehicle and not run out of charge? You know, you're bringing up your big objections to that. Once you're at the advanced stage, you are ready to purchase. So you're looking at things like which electric vehicles have get the best range or which charge the fastest or which have the lowest environmental impact, whatever your priorities are. And if you find somebody who's delivering that kind of content all the way along, guess who you're going to buy your electric vehicle from? It makes sense, right? right? right. Yeah, because you totally trust them. They have helped you at every step of your journey. And you you see them as an authority in the electric vehicle marketplace. And at the very least, you're going to go and test drive one of their vehicles. And at that point, it becomes the job of the salesperson to close that deal. But the marketing has done its job. It's gotten the person to the point that they're ready to talk to sales and make the purchase. Would you say that's a great explanation there? Would you then say then, Pamela, that content to do more content marketing is essentially positioning you as the expert, the authority, the go-to? Would you would you describe it that way? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That's one of the big goals of content marketing is for the prospective customer to see you as a trustworthy authority, a Mm. trustworthy expert. Excellent. Good, 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 good. We're on the same track there then. So tell me something we we mentioned earlier on about AI. How is AI aiding or helping or creating a nuisance of all this (laughs) content marketing, which you've been doing for years, what's what's working, what's not working, what should we be aware of? I think there's so much potential. It's still fairly new on the scene and people are still figuring out how to use it best. Um, I think it's a huge mistake to sort of feed it some prompts and take whatever it gives you and copy paste it. Mm. Um, They're talking about search engines being able to detect that at some point in the future. So I just think it's a a terrible idea. Um, The best content sounds like and is imbued with the human touch. So that means at making sure that human emotions are in there, quotes from humans, that the whole thing is kind of shaped by a human so that the AI, you know, it can go off the rails and start making things up, right? So you want to make sure that all the facts are straight and the whole thing is shaped by a human. So it just sounds like a really smart and efficient human created Mm. the content. Beyond that, what I tend to think about it, there are two things. 
First of all, we need to always remember it's artificial intelligence. It's not a really smart human. It's a really smart robot. And we just need to remember that, that it needs us. It needs us to guide what goes into it. And then it needs us to shape what comes out of it. We have to be involved in the process. Now, there are huge advantages because it's super fast. So this is the other thing I think of is I think of it like a a thesaurus, but like on steroids, right? Mm, (laughs) It's a thesaurus that's had a lot of coffee in the morning or many cups of tea, and it is just ultra caffeinated and super fast, right? Mm. But you know, when somebody's had a lot of caffeine, a (laughs) lot of times... They're fast, but they may not be accurate. And that's where we have to get involved and make sure that whatever we use it for is is shaped by us. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. It is a machine. It's a robot. So we have to put our touch on it with stories, with the emotions, with those elements that a machine can't produce. And I think you're absolutely right there. Thank you. Now, Listen, for those who want to connect with you, Pamela, and learn more from you, um, because you are the content marketing queen, you're just coming out with so many nuggets. You've been doing this longer than most out there. There are loads, those, you know, I've come across people who've been doing this for two years, three years, but you've been doing it a long, a lot longer. Yeah. How, what's the best way for them to connect with you? If they want to learn more about content marketing, I'm in the process of updating my two books. So Master Content Marketing, Master Content Strategy, within a few months of this being published, we'll have brand new editions that include recommendations for using AI. That's the big update that I'm doing. So if they want to really dig in deep and get detailed information, those books are a great place. But beyond that, my website, PamelaWilson.com, I happen to own my name on the internet, which was a very happy day when I was able to grab that URL. So PamelaWilson.com is where they can learn about everything I do. I'd love to see people over there. Superb. So PamelaWilson.com, we will add it to the footnotes of this show as well. So listen, you're listening to uh, Pamela, Pamela Wilson. Now, if you are thinking of becoming an authority in your space, an expert in your space, a trusted advisor for people who potentially buy from you. Pamela's saying, do create content, create content marketing because it positions you as that person, which is wise, very, very wise, very smart indeed. She's worked with so many small business owners uh, around in the USA specifically for over 35 years, and she can certainly help you. Now, remember to like, Remember to subscribe or follow, depending on which, where you're listening or watching this um, from. Make sure you do that. And also put any comments in, any questions for Pamela, anything you would like to add on there as well. But most importantly, reach out to Pamela and see how she can help you. Pamela, any final words, anything you'd like to add in regards to your work or content marketing that we haven't touched on before we start wrapping up? I would say the one thing to keep in mind, if people are listening to this and saying, okay, I love this idea of content marketing, it is a long game. Mm -hmm. So if you can learn to produce it effectively, which is kind of the topic of my first book, it's a process for getting it produced from start to finish and will include AI in the future as well. So if you can figure out a process and keep up a consistent cadence, 
that's where the benefits really start to pay off because it's like adding layer after layer after layer of authority until you get to the point that nobody else can touch you because you have so much authority built up and and so much valuable content to offer. So I just encourage people to think of it as a long game and a new habit and be consistent. Well, you heard it from Pamela. So Pamela Wilson, I want to say thank you very much for your input, for your insights, for your genius, for your work that you do and all the nuggets you've given us today. Until we speak again, thank you. Thank you all for watching, listening, and I'll speak to you all soon. Bye for now.